Welcome to the FX Money Show podcast. FX Money Show podcast. Where your host, Nick, uses his 30 years of experience to demolish the FX markets while exposing the how, why, and when of Forex in front of your eyes. So take the foggles off, subscribe and share with your most trusted friends. Pet the cat. Yes, I said pet the kitty cat. Choose some gum and put the headphones on the bone dome. Time is money. And this is the FX Money Show. So I removed the candles because I want to show and everybody here, except for yourself, so you know, everybody's you know kind of already seen this before. But I removed the candles because the candles do not provide sufficient information. Yeah. Right. If you're always following the candles, you have no data that's going to tell you why the candles are moving. Right. So if we're looking at the candles, tablet around, if we're looking at the candles, all that is is the relationship. And it's the relationship. Now we're trading the euro dollar, right? Or that's the chart. But it's the relationship between the two currencies that are on the chart. Yeah. So if you have two currencies on the chart, you can't study one chart or one measure being the relationship and have any sort of idea where that exchange rate is going. Because what causes the market to move, sorry about that, what causes the market to move is a value in the first currency in comparison to the value in the second currency. And when those differ, the exchange rate then moves. So how many charts have you ever looked at other than candles that tell you the independent value of the euro and the independent value of the dollar? Any? Ever? No. No. Right? And that's a flaw. And when, you know, when I posted the, the, the post in Facebook that you responded to, that's what I was exposing. The candles are wrong. And sometimes I go, I, sometimes I just respond to what somebody else has posted and I expose how it's incorrect. Not because I'm trying to be a jerk, but I'm trying to help people and guide them to the right answer. But it doesn't mean I have to give them everything. Yeah. It means they have to think about it. It means they have to study. They have to understand what they're trading in order to gain any sort of consistent level of profitability. Okay. You know, but I've spent a few decades doing this. So I shouldn't, you know, know you know, learn, learning what I've done in the last few decades, it's not going to be done overnight. We're going to make it as fast yeah. as possible, but it's not going to be done overnight. Yeah. Right. So again, looking at the candles on the charts just does not provide us sufficient enough information. And we have to understand the value of the euro 
versus the value of the dollar or any other combination, right? But how do we do that? How do we make that an effective measure, right? We've got the euro here and the dollar here. Well, we have to understand the broader market, the bigger picture of movement, right? And we know what, and we know exchange rates are correlated and, you know, the price in gold is going to send the dollar this direction, but that might not be the price in gold. It might be the weakness in dollar that's actually sending the price in gold. Right. There's there's a dominant force in every move. And if the euro dollar exchange rate is, in fact, climbing, we want to know whether that's euro based move or dollar weakness. And we can see that, you know, the result of that or the analysis of it that tells us which is which. But you want to know as a trader, you want to know why this market is moving. Right. So using a series of complex arrays, we have to calculate what the value of the euro is, what the value of the dollar is. And to do that, we look at the exchange rate between sterling and euro, Canadian, Swiss, yen, Aussie, New Zealand, and the dollar. All of those have exchange rates with the euro. And what that allows us to do is create a basket and duplicate the same process for the dollar and create another basket, which allows us to compare apples to apples. And the result of that is what we have in this lower or in this middle window where we've got index value of the dollar crossing above the indexed value of the euro. So if the value of the dollar is stronger in comparing apples to apples, is stronger than the euro, where would you expect the value of the euro dollar exchange rate to go? Euro is stronger, yeah? US is stronger. So the green, sure. the green index is the dollar. The blue yeah. index is the euro. So where would the exchange rate go? If it's euro, if it's EU, then it would go down. Okay. All right, so yeah. let's put a let's put a vertical line there, right about there, indicative or suggestive that the move is going to go to the downside, right? Yeah. So let's uh, I'm going to going to make this a little bit quick, and I'll have you confirm what you're seeing, right? But what do you see right here? Uh, U.S. went down, like so, it should go up. Yep. Okay, so let's make another line. And we'll color it blue, some sort of blue. So it's indicative of the upside move. Okay, and what about this over here? So Euro is stronger. So again, it should go up. Euro okay. stronger than US. 
And in what about here? Still the same, I guess you are still yeah, going yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, same thing, same thing. All right, so then um, let's go over here. US is stronger, so it would go down. Okay, um, US is weaker. Oh, sorry, yep, yeah. Yeah, yeah US is, is weaker, so what direction should that go? Down. Uh, how about up, the other up, group? Sorry. Up, up, <laughs> yeah. Up, up, up. yeah, all right, so yeah. let's make a copy of these lines and just put that there, yeah. put that there, and put this over here. And what about over here? While we're looking at it, what about over here? It should go down because US is going up, so it's stronger. Okay. All right. So now let me let me you know give you the 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 short uh, the short description of it, and then we'll start looking at something else. Now that we've got these lines identified, they're just kind of you know randomly placed lines, you know, at the crosses. You know, there's a there's a cross of events in terms of you know the the indexes, and I'll tell you that the there are, there are three things that happen on the chart, every single chart in the world, right? It's not just foreign exchange, but every chart in the world. The difference and why we have this data, this approach on foreign exchange is because unlike what the retail traders' uh, beliefs are, they, they think, well, foreign exchange is so complex and it's so difficult to understand. Now, it's difficult to analyze, but it's easy to understand. But there are only three things that happen on the chart in terms of the sequence of events. There's price action. And price action is always the third thing that takes place. It's the third thing that changes direction. Price action. The second thing is volume. And if you think about this, you know, if you've got sellers at this level and buyers at this level, well, prices are going to bounce around in this level until these sellers are taken out because there's more buyers that are pushing the market higher. Right? So volume is the second thing that changes direction on the chart. But retail traders don't see that because there's a, a concrete block wall, whatever, an iron wall in between volume analysis, proper volume analysis, and price action. So this is all institutional use, typically institutional use. This is where the retail traders are. This is SMC, it's uh, ICT, it's Itchy Scratchies, it's Bollinger Garbage Cans, it's a MACD, which is a hamburger, but it's nothing on any sort of institutional grade or insight into analysis. What's the first thing that would change direction before, and, and let me put it this way, if, if volume is the physical aggression of traders going into the market and actively buying or actively selling as a speculator, not as a market maker, but as a speculator, 
indicator. If volume is the second thing, any idea, Samuel, what would be the first thing? Nope. Okay. Sentiment? Yeah, sentiment. Sentiment. Mindset. Mental. I have an X. Oh, she's mental. Sorry. Different. Tangent. Sorry. So <laughs> sentiment moves first. Volume moves second. Price moves third. But sentiment and volume are institutional. That's happening before the candles show you any sort of print on the screen. Happens before the candles show price action. Before the candles change direction. That's what we build strategy on. Not the candles. The candles aren't really giving us anything but a confirmation at points. But really, they're uneventful or unnecessary in most aspects. Right? So let's go back to our lines. If sentiment is here in this white line, and we're looking at structure, structure just, it's simple. It's on everything, though. But structure moving above the prior high is telling me that, all right, we've got more aggression to the upside, right? Here's structure moving above the prior high. Right there, as we've got this line drawn. But not only is structure moving to the upside, there is a failure of structure to continue to the downside. And that gives us a change in direction. All right, so let's look at that. So here's structure kind of sideways, range bound, and then it goes slightly higher. All right, so that's giving us an upside move. This is giving us an upside move. This here, right at this moment, is going sideways, just a little bit sideways. I would suggest that right through here, it starts to move a little bit more strongly to the upside. Right? So we've got to move to the upside. But what we're looking for is... chart. What we're looking for... Move this so it doesn't move again. There we go. That should be okay. What we're looking for, as I try this again, is sentiment to breach that structure. Because just like sentiment broke structure to the upside to give us each of these, I want to see where sentiment is breaking structure to the downside to give us a change in direction to the downside. Oh, there it is. And as that happens, the indexed value, as you've identified, has moved to the downside. All right, so that's what this is all about, is the value of the euro versus the value of the dollar without a lagging approach as it's governed by sentiment. Now, I don't have our volume model on the screen, but what you would see is sentiment moves first, volume moves second, the result is price action. But here, just based upon sentiment and the indexes, you've been able to, you know, kind of pick out the general direction. Do you feel or no? 
or do you know yes. you, you do okay all right so what is what's a good level of precision for you if you're if you had a strategy where would you find a lot of confidence in your approach is in percentages or in percentages um, so kind of 80% win rate, is that what? Okay, 80% is good. That's a good number. Yeah, that's a good number. That is probably on the high end for retail traders. Very right? a, a little bit on the high end, right? Where do you think, where do you think institutional traders or those on an institutional side of the market would want to be? 90 to 95. No, about 55 because they're trading the same way. They're trading the same way as retail traders. And it's incredible. It's incredible. Now there's some, you know, there's some quant funds that can run a higher level of percentage and that's fine. But the majority of them, 55 to 65%. And they've got good, really good risk uh, tolerances and they're going to stick to a set of rules. The difference between the retail trader and them is deeper pockets in order to allow the trades to move, not so skittish, no emotions whatsoever, um, not scared about a move to go against them. But they're using you know, a, fair, a fair level of leverage, uh, five to one, maybe 10 to one at most, uh, but they're not they're not over trading either, uh, but they still, you know, they, they use a, a, a bigger picture level of analysis that allows them to trade at a lower percentage and still make the majority of the returns, right? But there's not a whole lot of difference, right? Why is it that institutions give leverage? Uh, they give less less leverage. No, why why do the banks and brokers give you a lot of leverage? So that you lose money, you over trade, yeah. and you like yeah. So money. you lose money. So you lose yeah. money, right? So they gain Be money. Yeah. So they do not want you to profit. That that's easy to see, easy to understand. Why is it that brokers are not? Uh, and let's put it this way, let me qualify them. Why is it that licensed brokers are not able to give you any sort of um, proper instruction? Because they want us to lose. Exactly. But who, who are they serving? Are they serving banks. you? Uh, exactly. Are they serving you or are they serving the banks? They're serving the banks. And the banks are giving them that ability to allow positions on leverage, right? But I think you get the bigger picture. You see, you understand the bigger picture, the, you know, the toxic architecture that we're given, which means in order to trade well, we must dissect the market down to its microstructure, its granular level, in order to understand how the markets move. Once we understand how the markets move, we can put strategy on that data rather than putting strategy on the candles. Yeah. All right. So 
here we've got some lines that we've identified. Here we've got some sentiment structure that's confirming that. And I didn't talk about there or mention the last one, but the last one's got sentiment to the downside as well. Right? And you say 80% is probably a pretty good move um, you know, for you to, to generate some profit. Let's see, let's go back in and see if these lines have given you anything. Oh, wait, before I, before I do that, what was your confidence before we started having this discussion this morning, which was about, what, 20 minutes ago? 20, 25%. Okay, All right. And what is it now? I would say 75 to 80, yeah. Yeah. So this is how the market moves, right? There's a way to cherry pick these trades and make sure that we're on the strongest side of them. And if we look at the lower window, that tells us where we can do that, right? So if I've got an apple, or if I've got two apples, I'm going to draw my apples, right? If I've got an apple, that is a funky apple, but there's an apple. And here's another apple. Because we're comparing apples to apples. The indexes allow us to compare those apples to apples. But if this apple was only worth about 70% of its quality, and it was starting to deteriorate, in its freshness. Now it's it's starting to go bad. And this apple was strong. Which apple would you pick? Obvious. Yeah, yeah, obvious, obvious. All right, so how do we know that that apple is stronger other than it, than it just being fresh? You know, we want the strong move. You know, we want that fresh apple, but we also wanna know if the apple is still on the tree, we want to know the weather pattern because that weather pattern determines how much moisture is in the apple, its sugar content and everything else. So with the markets, we want to be able to cherry pick or apple pick those best moves. But if this has a 30% difference between 70 and 100, it's easy to see. In currencies, what if there's a 1% difference? You probably wouldn't know. But what if there's, let's say, a 5% difference? Well, 5% difference would give you this, this choppy move. Even though they were correct, it's still a choppy move. But what about maybe a 10 or a 12%? difference. That's the difference. Is cherry picking the strongest move is recognizing the differential, and that's this window down here, but recognizing the differential between the indexes as it crosses below the negative 12 line. So negative 12 is negative 12%. And that tells us we've got some downward movement that is strong. 
or if it crosses above the 12%. It tells us we've got some strong movement to the upside. All right, so we can cherry pick these all day long and we can recognize whether the conditions of those apples are conducive to that return that we want. And ideally, you know, two pips per minute, two pips per minute gets us in a trade and out with the ability to cover our expenses within 60 seconds, 120 seconds. Because if we're spending more than a pip cumulatively between the spread and the commissions that we're paying, you know, then we should probably look for a different broker, different solution. But about a pip is okay. Because you know that, all right, if I'm cherry picking the best opportunities, you know that a 12% differential is going to give you an entry and it's going to give you an exit in a very short period of time, not necessarily just an exit, but it's going to cover your expenses with a profit in a very short period of time. But retail traders don't see any of this. They're fighting through this, right? They're, they're looking at this to go short. But what they don't see is sentiment changing direction through here. So they're going short thinking, all right, it's pulled back a little bit. It's going to go heavier move to the downside and they're going to make a killing. That, well, that's not how the market works. You know, because they're still blind to what's taking place. And as we see this differential, differential has come down here on this move, and now it's weaker on this move. Even though prices have diverged or prices have gone further to the downside, you know, the differential is already weakening. And when the differential crosses the zero, that's telling us we've gone into bullish territory right there. Bullish territory is just bullish territory. It doesn't mean it's going to be strong enough, but you know, two minutes later, it is certainly strong enough and it's continuing. I'm certain that there is a metric in here we can identify the maybe the momentum in order to take that trade spontaneously, but there's a point of you know being being fruitful and resilient, and then a point of you know where you're just arguing for the last few pips, and sometimes that's more expensive than what it gives. Um, so 80%. There's your 80%. Let's zoom out of this chart, right? So you identified the crossing of the indexes. Here's three opportunities that do not have a move above the 12%. Here's one to the downside. This one does. And that moves as far as here until the point where sentiment breaks structure back to the upside. That's the exit, right? Or the bigger picture, that's the exit. What about this move to the upside? Yeah, until sentiment breaks that prior low, there's the exit. That means it's up here. So trading well requires measures 
that retail traders don't ever see. So in order to trade well as a retail trader, you have got to be exceptionally good. And anybody who's ever been you know, fairly decent as a retail trader, 95% accuracy is just a walk in the park. It's easy once they have proper analysis. All right, that's it. Any, any questions? No, none. I'm so with the entry, like you told, there's the blue and uh, green lines there, basically Euro and USD, like against all other pairs? Yes, against all of the other currencies. Okay, so like, which is the one that we, so like that one we use just for the sentiment to see whether the market is going over up and down? Sentiment is the white line here. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's up and down pressure based upon all of the other currencies. Because what happens is market makers will see a value Right. And all of this comes down to cross border money flow. Right. And as market makers see a value in moving their money, say, from the US into Switzerland, right, they get ready, they move their money, they see the value because what they're doing is increasing an in interest rate and earnings by, say, you know, um, a half a percent over the course of three months, two months, three weeks, but they're moving money chasing a slightly higher opportunity, higher interest rate or higher earnings in an opportunity. And that's what, that's what causes the exchange rates to move. And when we recognize that differential, that means the opportunity is statistically strong enough for uh, strong enough for us to get into a trade and out with a profit okay. right but again it's nothing you'd learn um, overnight you know it would take you know it, it takes a few weeks to kind of wipe the slate clean for most people you know the best thing that they can do is forget everything they've ever known about the market yeah. and trade with transparency. You know, and the transparency is being able to see through the market for how it moves, when it moves, and why it moves. So how it moves is the indexes. That's how. Why it moves is the difference in recognizing, all right, this move to the downside is not a dollar move, it's a weak euro move. Because look at the dollar, it's kind of level flat. Yeah. But anytime you see a strong component in the price or a strong area in the price, you see the euro is getting weaker. The euro is getting weaker at a rate faster than what the dollar is doing. Right? So, you can tell the why is showing up in terms of how or which index, whether it's a euro or the dollar, is causing the move, 
which one is stronger which is which one is moving to the upside at a fate at a pace faster than the other right so then we move to the when and the when is the occurrence of a statistically strong opportunity it's minus 12 or positive 12. It's that easy because that shows the differential between the indexes, which statistically creates the opportunity because there's more money flowing into the dollar in this move to the downside. There's more money flowing into the dollar than what there is in the euro. And in fact, there's probably money coming out of the euro. It ultimately doesn't matter as long as the apples have a difference. And it only needs to be 12%. So 12% difference becomes very statistically reliable in order to pick those apples off the tree, know when they're ripe, when the opportunity is ripe, take the trade, then look for, you know, look for an exit. Now, it typically takes three weeks, you know, maybe a month for somebody. It depends on their ability to learn. And more importantly, as I started to say, their ability to wipe the slate clean and forget everything they've learned prior. Because that stuff has not worked yet. And if it hasn't worked yet, you cannot do the same thing and expect a different result. And if your analysis, if your approach is, is based upon the candles, it is already a failed approach in most instances, not in all of them, but in most instances. So you've gone from 20% to where's your confidence? 70. Yeah, that's a pretty good number. Yeah. Right. And what other approaches have you used before? You know, kind of a general statement. What other, what have you tried before? Like just, you know, support and resistance, like using like, you know, Fibonacci and stuff like that. Okay. Moving averages, you know, all the lagging indicators, basically. Yeah. And what are you going to forget now? Using candlesticks or any kind of indicators. <laughs> you, using all of those. It should be, it, you know, your focus should be on what causes the market to move and not what follows the market. Yeah. Right? That's the focus. That should be your focus. Right? Um, any questions? Any other questions? Without going too much into detail because it's just... Uh, not enough time and you have to you have to absorb it rather than try and learn it in one reading that's it's just not possible to learn it in one reading you know you have to absorb it you have to absorb and breathe almost a different approach or a different perspective a different bit of insight and transparency and then once you you know once you kind of you absorb that and you think outside the box um, the box of normal approach, which is a failure, 
once you absorb that and think outside the box, then you can start to apply little bits of insight, right? It, what What's the time frame you typically traded on before? Like anywhere between like 15 minutes to four hours. Okay. Um, why not the one minute? I guess it's too like, no, usually if you see the higher time frame, it gives you a better directional bias, you know? There was no, no, it doesn't. Yeah. yeah, no, it doesn't. That's a that's a flawed, you know, and it's just a, you know, what you've learned before is flawed, unfortunately. Um, this is a one minute time frame. Yeah, and you didn't have any problems picking the direction. You yeah. didn't know you didn't know at the time what you were picking. You just you kind of you know you kind of went with what I had said as far as the dollar getting stronger. Just look, and the end result is that you picked every move, even, even in this range bound move where it wasn't really fruitful. The rest of them, you picked every move that there was. And certainly there's, there's more moves in here. So if we're going to dissect it a little bit further, um, for Kevin, is he still, he's not, no, he might be, but for this move here, right, you got, you got this bigger picture of the move, right? There's instances here where price reaches a high. And that corresponds to the high in sentiment. And then price reaches a high. But that's lower than the prior high, just slightly. Yeah. And that corresponds to this move lower, technically right there, in sentiment as it transitions back to the downside. So here's a transition back to the downside. Let me clean this up. Here's a transition back to the downside. Here's a transition back to the downside, transition back to the downside, back to the downside. Um, a little bit of a responding move but price is not higher, right? So then it transitions back to the downside and then back to the downside and back to the downside. And then here's, well, back to the downside and then it fails. Fails because it doesn't give us enough profit in that little move, that impulsive move lower. And then it goes back to the downside, back to the downside you know, back to the downside and then back to the downside. So if I look at each instance of it moving back to the downside, series of lines here, there's one right there. Let me change these to yellow. There's one right there, probably on that candle. Then one right there, one right there, probably the next candle. One right there, right there, right there, right there. It goes jockeys the other direction. Another one right there. 
another one right about there. Another one right there. And another one right there. All right. So there's a measure of what I call bid ask bounce in here. And bid ask bounce would be looking for the first instance of sentiment and price to be breaking against this bigger picture of downside direction. So everything is looking for the downside, but what it's looking for is a break of sentiment and price. So here is a sentiment high, let me get rid of the chicken scratch. So here's a high in sentiment there. Now I'm pointing to the high in price, but I'm saying it's a high in sentiment because just before that, there was a sentiment high before it transitioned. So there's one in through here, there's one in through here, one in through here, one here, 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 here. This one goes the other direction in terms of price. But look at sentiment. Sentiment doesn't. All right, so let's continue. So here, then here, then here, then here, and here. So we see sentiment high. So sentiment changes direction. And then you see price breaking this direction as sentiment breaks that direction. So now this is a breach of bid-ask bounce. It's the first instance in all of this move where both price and sentiment have changed direction. Right? But the rest of these were transitions to the downside. So if we're trading or building a position, it's each time it transitions in our direction as it continues with bid ask bounce to the downside, what it's allowing us to do is add to that position, add an opportunity where, or an optimum opportunity where that condition has transitioned back to the downside and we're going to get impulsive movement. Right. So, uh, so Neil, from, from your experience, and I know you haven't been trading that long, but out of these candles, what's the percentage of these being institutional moves versus retail moves? Any idea? Mm, no. Okay. It's 100% institutional. you can't see where retail traders are trading. But retail traders are only 3% of the overall market. So that means any move on any candle from price tick to price tick, retail traders are not sufficient or trading sufficient volume to make the market move. Institutions, yes. So retail traders would have about this much movement in comparison to this. It's the institutional side of participants that get the market to move like that. Right? But this gives a ton of opportunity to build on that position from the initial sell we can see that the 
dollar index has maintained a bullish state over the euros index through all of that. And every time that sentiment transitions to the downside, it's just adding cream to the top or taking cream off the top, right? And there's a number of them. You know, if we go from the bottom, you know, this one adds 14 pips. From this one, it's 16 pips. As a matter of fact, let's just go from that termination point where bid-ask bounce breaches. And if you stuck to bid-ask bounce, you'd get a change right about here. So that adds 6.4, another 8.1, another 21, another 20.9. Uh, you got a little bit of reversal on sentiment or on price, but no reversal on sentiment there. Uh, another 19 and then 27. Uh, a 30, uh, a 34, another 38, another 40, another 42, another 43. It only takes one move. And if you're trading one to one or two to one or three to one on very low leverage, but you know, kind of saw that bigger picture of euro dollar exchange rate to the downside, because the dollar was getting so strong, by the time you're done with that, you've got four or 500 pips on a, on a five to one leverage or a 10 to one leverage position. And that's enormous. All it takes is proper analysis, right? I'm not, I'm not looking at the market for any sort of theoretical nonsense of, smart money concepts of support and resistance. I don't care about those. You know, there are times where we look at a prior low and if it's approaching, say a prior low, like it did up here, you know, it's approaching a prior low. I would want it to break that low with sentiment and volume, otherwise forget it. But that's really about the only limitation or the only requirement that you look at support and resistance levels. Because the support and resistance levels are already included when you're looking at the values of the indexes. That's it. Anyone else? Questions, comments? Nope. Nope. Svenja? That was a very good session. Right. Uh, you recorded your... it. Will you put it into the library? Like yeah, the... I'll put it into the library. I'll put That'll it in the library. And um, what's your confidence today? Oh, today it, uh, it's only 5% yet, but I haven't traded much because okay. I am currently testing the new sentiment line, the red one. Okay. So, but definitely this, it will go up. Okay. And, and Samuel, that's, that's a, a little bit of sarcasm. The other day when Svenja said um, her confidence uh, was at uh, 20%, that was her return for the day, um, but not uh, confident. So uh, anyone else? Um, Cody, did you trade today? Liam, did you trade today? Nick, did you trade today? Anyone else? Yeah, I, I traded today. I'm currently still trading. Okay. And um, win-loss numbers, where, where are you? I'm up right now about 6%. Okay. Um, Cody, you? Uh, I'm at myself. Oh, okay. Um, 
three and a half percent for the day, about uh, eighty nine percent win rate. That's what I'm looking okay. at right now. Okay. And uh, Terrence, you said something. I'm about one and a half percent. That's good. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, Samil, uh, Liam, did you? Uh, I have. You I have not. I have not placed a single trade today. Oh man. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Slacking. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but you know what? The the thing is, I remember uh, from. When I was before I came to this group, I was always in the chart. I was always anxious about hoping I didn't miss a move. Now I'm like, well, I didn't trade. I have other things going on. That's fine. As soon as I get back to the charts, uh, sentiment will begin to tell me and volume will follow up and I'll, I'll be good. So I'm not overly concerned. It is a nice mind space to be in. Yeah. 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 And it's, yeah. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Um, all right, let's get out of here. Uh, Samuel, I'll, uh, I'll reach out to you and uh, kind of give you the next steps. Um, yeah, no worries. you know, it, for, for me, it's, you know, it, it's been all of my professional career. Um, my, and, that, and that's, I'm not 22, so that would be very limited. Um, I'll be 51 and oh my God, that's scary. Be 51 in a few months. Uh, but uh, all of my professional career since I was 20, 22 uh, has been focusing on exactly what you're looking at. What? Right. Transparency. And the, the bigger the community, the better it is for all of us. The bigger it, the, the more people that see this, not because it's mine or any other nonsense, but because it works, because it exposes what the brokers and the, the quasi self-proclaimed gurus, you know, want to teach that is utter garbage. Yeah. It's garbage. You know, whether it's SMC or inner circle nonsense, you know, yesterday, the matter of fact, the post you you responded to Samil was was basically calling out what's his name? I forget his uh, uh, Dale, whatever his name was. Yeah. Calling him out because I know what he's doing is nonsense. It's a game. And, you know, he's charging people and he's got a service but there's zero consistency in it. And that causes people to lose money. Yeah. It's, it's teaching them how to lose money. And if, you, you know, in terms of transparency, you look at his charts and it's all theoretical concepts and concepts, in fact, are unproven theories. That's all. Whereas... I like to trade with data, with data that tells me everything that's going on and not put the what if scenario on the chart because the what if scenario, you know, makes us wait forever. And in the meantime, I think I posted in that, in the meantime for him waiting for that setup to occur, which his setup was incorrect, 
you know, he, he would have ended up losing money on that setup. Um, waiting for that to occur, you miss all of the other movements. Yeah. Every time the market moves, and it doesn't make a difference, you know, if it's range bound in here, this move is a valid move. This move is a valid move. This move is a valid move. But we never know which one of these moves is going to be the big kahuna. Because the conditions for each of them are exactly the same. And I'm talking specifically about these, these last three that you see being this one, this one, and this one. The conditions for the entry, structure of sentiment and the cross, structure of sentiment and the cross, structure of sentiment and the cross, and they each have more than 12 or less than 12, negative 12%. Negative 12 for the downside, positive 12 for the upside. Yeah. The rest of it is all the same. Right? Over here, the only difference is that the differential was not above 12%. So as a trader, when do you recognize those opportunities? Or when do you recognize, you know, what you've done for sometimes three, four, five, six, ten years? You know, when do you recognize that that was possibly incorrect? Meaning SMC and ICT and all the other nonsense that's out there. But if somebody is showing their chart, and here's a little bit of insight for you, whether you come on board with us or, or anywhere else, if somebody is show, showing you the chart and their analysis does not identify the difference between the value in the euro and the value in the dollar, it's a waste. It's a flawed approach. So it's really easy to cherry pick and say, you know, mister, <laughs> your, your approach is incorrect. It's really easy to see. All right, I'm out of here. Um, catch you later. I'll post this video in the library at some point this afternoon. But uh, catch you in a bit. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, cheers, cheers. You've just listened to an episode of the FX Money Show, where every day Nick discusses analysis that drives traders' confidence through the roof. Subscribe to the podcast, enjoy the show, and discover your inner trader. The service of the FX Money Show is to provide foundational educational content to trading listeners of foreign exchange and other financial markets. Anything expressed in the FX Money Show by its producers or guests is educational in nature and in no way constitutes advice. You must understand the risks associated with trading financial products and use only capital you can afford to risk.